Um, okay. So, do you want to put the verse up on the screen for me? Uh, this is what I've been given to speak about. It's Matthew thirteen thirty-three, and it says, Jesus told them another story. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into 30 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. The Bible is full of food stories. Um, there's the one where the people of Israel are starving in the desert and God makes food appear on the ground for them every day for 40 years. It's a good one. Uh, there's the one about the prophet Elijah who pops in on a widow during a famine, asks her for dinner and leaves her with a pot of oil that doesn't ever run out. Um, there's the one about Jesus feeding 4,000 men, plus their wives and their children, who don't get counted, um, with some fish and some loaves. And then the one where he does it again, but for 5,000 men, plus their wives and their children as well. Um, I work as a journalist, if, um, that's who I am. And for the most part, I write about food. So I love food stories. Um, I love eating food, which is why I chose to be a food journalist. And um, I get to meet loads of really interesting people who grow and make and prepare all of our food for us. And then I write stories about them. And so um, I love the fact that the Bible is full of food. It's full of food. And it really shouldn't surprise us because um, food is something that all of humanity can relate to. Um, it's an essential for life. If we don't have food, then we, like, we die. Um, it nourishes us at its most basic level, it keeps us going, it's fuel for our lives. Um, but also food brings us together with other people when we share a meal, it's an expression of our creativity, and it gives us lots of pleasure. Well, it certainly gives me a lot of pleasure. Um, so, uh, like, as I've been working, writing about food, I've discovered that for most of us in this country, we're actually quite detached from the way our food is made or produced. We've only got, like, a vague idea of where it comes from, how it's made, what's in it, why we eat it. But in Jesus' time, they were much closer to how food was grown and made and produced. Um, like bread, for example. So most of us will pick up a loaf of bread from the supermarket. We don't really think about how it's made. Um, a few of you might be living the middle class dream. You might have a bread maker at home. Maybe you put in flour, water, yeast, shut the lid, and a loaf magically appears. Um, but in Jesus' time, he will make bread from start to finish. And so they would have really understood what he was talking about when he says in this seemingly throwaway one-verse comment, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into 30 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. It's one verse. It describes something that was very ordinary and very everyday. Every house would have had a woman who made and kneaded and baked the bread. Anyway, a few years ago, I was sitting in a house in Southfields with my house group at the time, and I read this verse to ask them what they thought. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. No! I stopped. It is not yeast, said Isabel, a lovely French woman in my group. <laughs> it is leaven. Um, and then she went on to explain. I was like, okay, fine. Um, that there's a very big difference between yeast and leaven. And so I brought some along to show you. So um, maybe, can I have a volunteer to come and examine the yeast and the leaven? Doesn't matter who you are. Come on. Um, can you describe for me, what is the yeast, what's in there? 
looks like white tiny bits of poppy seed. Okay. <laughs> is it dry? Yep. Does it look kind of alive? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. All right, hang on. Right. That's the yeast. We can pass this round actually, have a little look. Take my enough. This is um this is leaven. Does it look the same? Yep. <laughs> you need a thread what's in there for me. Yeah, it looks a bit like very wet dough and yeah. Smell it? Does it smell different? Yeah. What does it smell like? Sweeter. Has it got bubbles in it? No, probably just a yeah, actually, yeah. Little pockets. Yeah. Little pockets of air bubbles. This is this is leaven, this is alive. Thank you very much. Pass that round. Have a have a good sniff. <laughs> um so Isabel, the French woman in my house group, she was a really big bread maker, she was like really into it, um, and she cultivated her own leaven, and she'd learned how to make bread using it. So um, bread made this way with leaven, now it's called sourdough, and you might pay like seven pounds for a loaf. <laughs> but up until, it was recently, it was about 60 years ago, all bread was made this way, it was all sourdough bread. And in Jesus' time, this is how they made bread as well. Um, so I thought I would share with you what Isabel taught me about leaven so that we can see what we can learn together about the kingdom of heaven from it. So leaven is like magic. You put a bit of wholemeal flour and a bit of water in a jar like this one and then the next day you add a little bit more and the next day you add a little bit more and before you realise it's alive, it's bubbly, it's oozy, it smells kind of um, beery, it ferments and it begins to grow, it kind of expands in the jar. And it's literally just flour and water. I'm sure there's some science behind this, but I'm not a biologist. Um, somehow, the life or the bacteria that's in the air around us meets with the water and the flour and makes it alive. And so there's life there. And like all living things, leaven grows. After a few days, you can take some of it, mix it with some more flour and water, make dough and bake it into bread. And the bacteria and the yeast and the leaven react together and make the bread rise. Like I said, it's magic. So if the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, I'd like to suggest that Jesus is saying that his Holy Spirit, his presence, is always close, wherever you are, ready to bring life to the ordinary and to the everyday. The kingdom of heaven is near, it's life-giving, and it's transformative. In your jar, once you've made some bread, you've still got some leaven left, because you don't use it all, and it's still alive. So you can feed it a little bit more, and it'll keep growing, ready for you to take out some more and make some more bread. So it just keeps going and going and going. And so once you've got a leaven starter, it can potentially last forever. Um, I read about this guy in Edinburgh, and he's got a bakery school there, and he went to Russia in 1990, and he brought back a sourdough starter. I'm not sure whether you'd be allowed to do that now. Um, and it's still, it's still going, apparently. 25 years later, he's still got his starter. Thank you.
it's still alive. There are some Italian villages that claim that they are still baking from 11, that they started in the 1800s. Not sure about that. Um, and on eBay, you can buy little samples of these ancient leavens um, so that you can store your own bread from these kind of ancient doughs. So if the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, that means that it's unending. It lives and it does not die. And the nature of leaven is that it's shareable. So imagine we are a Palestinian village, ancient times, and uh, my hypothetical children are tearing around my house and one of them knocks over my pot of leaven and it just goes everywhere. Complete disaster. What am I going to do? How am I going to make bread? Honestly, like, those children, they'd only just calm down. Um, so I pop round to Mary's next door, and she gives me a scoop of hers. And between us, we've both got enough. She can still make bread with her pot, and I've got some leaven to make some bread from mine. So you can give away leaven without diminishing your own supply. So not only does it keep growing so that it lasts and lasts, it's endlessly shareable. And so with leaven, you can feed your whole house, you could feed a whole village, or even a city. I don't think that's too extreme to say. For example, Franco Manca, around the corner, makes sourdough pizza. So they use a leaven starter, and they started as a pop-up in Brixton Village. Uh, just one batch of sourdough leaven, and they make it into dough for pizza. And now there's like dozens of Franco Mancas all over London. And how much do you bet that each branch has a pot of leaven that, start, that came from that original Brixton batch? The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. However much of God's love you give away, you've still got enough for yourself. There's always enough for everybody. So leaven grows, and it lives, and it spreads, and it's shareable. And when that makes the making of bread as much a community activity as eating bread together is. So sharing is at the heart of what makes bread, bread. You can tell I kind of love bread. <laughs> a bit of a bread obsessive. Um, and so that's the other cool thing about leaven. You can make bread from it. Um, you can make pizza like Franco Manca do. You could make baguettes or brioche or focaccia or bread rolls or white bread or wholemeal bread or bread with nuts on top or flatbread. Um, on Instagram this week, I saw somebody who was eating a beetroot, lemon and thyme sourdough donuts. Um, you know, you can be as fancy or as simple as you like. There's all kinds of variety, one leaven. So about 10 years ago, I was working for a church and once a quarter, we would cancel our evening service to join the other churches in town for a joint Fleetwood Churches Together service, which used to lead to like no end of complaints from all the old ladies who partly they didn't like having their routine disrupted, and partly, and I mean, who does really, honestly? And partly they found, like we all did, that the service was really, really boring. Um, but they were just old enough to kind of let rip with the complaint, they didn't care. And I remember my old vicar very wisely asking one of these ladies mid-rant, um, asking the question, can we meet God anywhere? And she was like, well, yeah, of course we can, because God is everywhere. And then he was like, so can we meet God in the Methodist church as well as we can meet him in our own? Um, this morning, there was Polish, Polish Catholic service happening over there. There was the URC service happening over here, over here. We're in this room and we're all meeting 
with the same God, the same Holy Spirit encounters us all. Eleven can lend itself to immense variety and creativity and diversity, and it's all the kingdom of heaven. So the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, said Jesus. It can start anywhere with something as simple and as unremarkable as flour and water. It is living, it's eternal, it grows, it cannot be diminished, it can be endlessly shared, it comes in lots of different forms, it is one kingdom. So that's quite cool, but that's not all. Because there's actually some controversy to be had in this verse as well. You see, in religious terms, for the Jews, leaven was considered something that was unclean. It's a, because it's a bacteria, it's like a mould, I guess, in some ways, and it can, it can contaminate. And uh, in the Old Testament, where the Jewish books of the law are, the people of Israel were instructed to get rid of the leaven from their houses before some of their holy days. Um, they had to burn it. And it was like a symbol of making themselves pure and ready to encounter the holiness of God. Paul, who is one of Jesus' apostles, um, and he wrote loads of uh, books of the Bible, loads of letters, he was a very devout and learned Jew. And he refers to leaven in this way uh, as an unclean thing when he writes uh, to the church in Corinth in Greece. In 1 Corinthians 5, he says, Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you might be a new unleavened batch. For Christ has been sacrificed. Therefore let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So the tradition that Paul grew up in associated leaven with things that were unclean and impure. And the things that were unleavened with the pure and the clean and the holy. So when Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, he's saying it's a contaminating force. And honestly, this is actually one of the reasons why I really love Jesus, because it's such a throwaway comment, and it's just like, ah, so edgy. Because on the one hand, leaven is a brilliant analogy for the kingdom of heaven. It's immediately accessible, it's eternal, it's shareable, it's for everyone. But on the other hand, Jesus is also telling us something about the kingdom of heaven that we wouldn't expect. He's telling us that where we see things that are unclean, that that is where God is, and that God uses those things to grow his kingdom. And then, like, it's a no-brainer, really, if you read the Gospels. Jesus is constantly reminding us that God doesn't use the powerful or the impressive or the clean and the neat and the shiny to bring his kingdom. In his other stories about what the kingdom of heaven is like, he compares it to a daft sheep that gets lost, to a reckless son who daft, wastes... Daft. Daft, daft, daft sheep. A reckless son, a reckless son who uh, wastes all his dad's money and a tiny insignificant seed. The people that Jesus, his followers, his disciples, were uneducated, ostracised and violent people. They were fishermen, they were fraudsters, and they were wannabe terrorists. Um, Jesus himself had no money and no house. He had no obviously illustrious family background to recommend him. He was the technically illegitimate son of an unmarried woman and had a very ordinary job of being a carpenter. 
He touched lepers, he was friends with women, he treated migrants with respect, he played with children, and he was mates with people that society considered the lowest of the low. So God uses the unclean to grow his kingdom and to bring life to the world. When Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like something like leaven, he does it so that we can look at our lives and the world around us, and, and when we see what's broken and messed up and laid low, we can know that that is where God is, and that is where he is working. And it's so subversive and upside down that the dishonoured thing gets transformed into something that is honourable. So the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, that a woman took and mixed into 30 pounds of flour until it worked all through the day. And maybe you feel like you were just flour and water. And Jesus is saying to you this morning that you are not too ordinary or too unremarkable or too dead inside for God to give you life in all of its fullness. And you do not need to make yourself better or put yourself in a special place for him to do it. God is close to you wherever and whoever you are. And he can transform the ordinary flower and waterness of your life into something that is wholesome and sustaining. His presence brings life. And maybe you feel like you're not enough, like that if you love people, that they're only gonna rob you of that love and cheat you of it and not give it back to you. They're gonna leave you smaller and more hurt, more broken than you started. And maybe you feel this way, because this is what's happened to you before, and you think that it might happen to you again, and that you can't risk it. Well, God wants to fill you with his love, and there is a limitless supply of that. You cannot wear out the love that God has for you. You cannot exhaust it. You can't drink or eat all of it. There's no end to it. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. His faithfulness is forever. So let God fill you with his overwhelming, eternal, and ongoing love, healing you so that you are free to love others without being diminished or broken. And maybe you're scared of sharing, actually, because if you give away the life that you know, God might do something different in someone else's life, and that might be annoying. <laughs> and the thing is, um, that the good news of Jesus, what, what we believe as Christians, is that God is life and that he wants us to be the most fully alive we possibly can be. And that's not in like a cheap sex, drugs and rock and roll kind of way, but in, uh, in setting you free to be the person that you were meant to be, the most fully. Um, and that that life-giving work of God will actually look different for all of us, because we've all been made as different people. But it's all life, so don't keep it to yourself. Or maybe you think that God is far away, He's aloof, he's uncaring, he's distant, he's too holy to be concerned with the unpleasantness of our tired world. Then I will say this again, that God is close to the broken, to the messed up. He is in the room when the misery hits and when the pain starts again. He sits on pavements asking for small change. He queues patiently in parish halls for food parcels. He sits with the mother who is like trying to work out how she's going to pay all of her bills and feed her kids. God is present in our pain and in our suffering. And it is in the unpleasant and the unpalatable and the unclean that he brings life and life in all of his fullness. That is where the kingdom comes. Christ became for us the unpleasant 
and the unpalatable and the unclean so that we could become fully alive. And so we're going to take communion together. Um, I think we've got a couple of people to hold it for us. Um, the bread and the cup of communion are the ultimate symbol of Jesus' death and resurrection and of God's love for us. You see, at just the right time, it were at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might die. But Christ, uh, God demonstrates his love for us, that when we were still sinners, he died for us. And so if you are looking for God, and you want to know him in, his li- in your life, and you need his life in you, if you want to encounter Jesus, this is a holy moment. And you are welcome to come and find him now. To come and take the bread and the cup of communion. Uh, rip off some bread and then take a little cup of grape juice. And then if you want someone to pray for you, to seal the deal if you like, um, then step, like, come and stand. Actually, if you could squidge up a bit more. Come and just stand next to these guys and someone will come and pray for you. If you want the kingdom of God to come in your life like leaven, if you want more of his life, we will gladly pray for you and bless you and invite the kingdom of God to come. So, on the night that Jesus was given over to suffering and death, through the betrayal of his friend, he took the bread. And after he had blessed it and given thanks for it, he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. And after the supper, he took the cup and he blessed it. He gave thanks for it. And he said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the forgiveness of your sins and for the sins of the whole world. When we drink the cup, are we not drinking into ourselves the blood the very life of Christ? And isn't it the same with the loaf of bread? When we break it and eat it, don't we take into ourselves the body, the very life of Christ? Because there is one loaf, our manyness becomes oneness. Christ doesn't fragment in us, rather we become unified in him. We don't reduce Christ to what we are. He raises us to what he is. So as often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we eat the body and blood of our Lord Jesus and we proclaim his death until he comes again. So come forward and take communion. You come up the middle and then either hover out in front or head back to your seat. And maybe if the band can play, that would be great.